Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here at Millstone Pizza in Old Town, Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, my name's Jason Broadwater. My name's Chris Gervais. What a great name, dude. Well done, Chris. Anyway, we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town, USA. No, okay. All right, so we're here with One Beer Mike Gentry and, uh, and Chris Gervais, the famous shirt-wearing Chris Gervais, thank you. And um, we are also here with uh, silent, always silent, Micah. Micah, if you want to say something bold and, and bodacious, well played, well played. Um, we're out outside, it's hot, but we're going to manage. And uh, we're going to talk to Micah about the music scene in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and really just about building a music scene and uh, building a music venue and, and what all that means. So welcome, Mike. Hey. All right. All right, all right, we're gonna have to cut, guys. We're gonna have to start all this over. Oh my God, Mike. That was awful. He said, welcome, Mike. What are you supposed to say to welcome, Mike? Hey. Hey. I should have asked, let me try again. I should ask the question. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. I thought we were gonna talk about the music scene in um, The Little Mermaid. Oh, the scene, the music yeah. scene. Oh, which scene? Oh. It's, it's, an very, it's a very musical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I had a friend in college, Stephen Kratz, who may listen to this podcast. Uh, he he knew all the Little Mermaid songs on uh, banjo. He would sing them around the dorm all the time. Wow. It, it kind of sounded like you said Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. <laughs> well, I mean, the state yeah. our oceans are in right now. That uh, could be... Plastic, yeah. yeah. She lives on a plastic island. <laughs> Little Mermaid. Which brings us to our topic today. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, let's start by kind of uh, just learning a little bit about you. So, how, tell us kind of your story. How, where are you from? How'd you get to Rock Hill? Let's start with that. Um, well, did we talk about this last time I was on your podcast? I did. We we probably did, remember. but give us a primer. I don't remember. So, primer. I'm from Charleston. My uh, I was born in Charleston. Uh, lived there until I was about 12, then moved to Florence for a couple of years, moved back to Charleston, and then started coming to Winthrop, and that's that's what brought me to Rock Hill, and I haven't I haven't left. Okay. And you went to Winthrop. What what year did you start Winthrop? 2004. 2004. And I graduated in 2008. So. Okay. So you like did it in four years. Four and a half. Four and a half. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, Florence, man. When I was a kid, Florence had the best punk scene in South Carolina. I heard about that, but I was too young to go to shows at the time, so I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't hear about the Cootie Hut until after I, uh, uh, until Is that a, I, a venue. That's what I heard. Yeah. Holy crap! We used to go down there, and this dude named Jeff. What were you gonna say, Chris? We had a Pizza Hut. Is that related? <laughs> I mean, More delicious. Could be. Arguably. Could be. Um, <laughs> no, I, I. The Independence. The Independence are from Florence, oh, aren't they? Yeah. Who's, who's the Independence? You don't know the Independence? I don't know, man. They look a very misfitsy kind yeah, of. Misfitsy. Like you know, you know the song by Mother Danzig. You know. Yeah, by Danzig called yeah. Mother. Yeah. yeah. You know that song by my mom. <laughs> About Danzig. <laughs> if I had my mom wrote the song about Danzig. No, uh, no, that's they. When I like heard that song and I loved it, I searched iTunes for it, and the Independents were the only band that did a cover of it that was on iTunes oh, at wow. the time. Yeah. And that's how I discovered the Independents. I don't necessarily love the Independents, but I mean, but that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. the way I discovered them. And they're, I'm pretty sure they're from Florence. 
they're like they're big fans of this podcast actually so i'm just i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> so when they hear that dude i'm gonna get emails from them i mean i've already had their booking agent hit me up about booking them and i i'm sorry guys i don't do wednesday nights when i was a kid we used to go down to florence and uh this guy named jeff uh was in a band called uptight and he would rent out the vfw building and he was shows and the shows got bigger and bigger and it reminds me of what you're doing that the names of the people who came through started to be our favorite bands in the world like we went down and played with plaid retina from california i don't know if y'all know plaid retina but they were part of that whole um uh uh what's that the lookout scene, yeah, like, you know, was where Green Day came from and all that stuff. But the whole lookout scene in Plaid Retina was one of those bands. And so it, it went from being like we'd go down there and just play with people like us to all of a sudden Jeff would contact us and be like, hey, you want to open for, and it would be like one of our favorite bands. So, so let me circle this back around. Since you've been in, in Rock Hill and Winthrop, you know, today I feel like that's happening with you in the courtroom. So help us bridge between, just a little more history on you, help us bridge between how you... Well, went through graduate, and all of a sudden you're running kind of the shows in Rock Hill. Okay, well, so when I graduated Winthrop in December of '08, I, uh, you know, graduated with a sculpture degree, and uh, immediately got work with the local arts council here, the arts council of York County. Um, and at, at the time, uh, Gallery Up was doing their thing, and they hosted a an exhibit with uh, Kevin Morrissey, who's lives in Somerville. I went to college with his brother Kyle and uh, still talk to Kyle and um, I was really hoping you were gonna say Morrissey from the Smiths. No they didn't know. So Kevin Morrissey did this show. <laughs> no Chris, I'm sorry. Sorry no Chris. Uh, incorrect Chris. <laughs> um, so they did this show and then it wasn't like any other art show you know they had that hallway where they exhibit his work and then Chris was like, well not Chris, Damn it, Chris. Uh, Kevin, Kevin. I can only say Chris now. Ke Kevin wanted to do uh, something more for the show rather than just show his art. Uh, I th the name of the show was Hominy, and they booked Calabi Yao and Yardwork to play oh, wow. the, to play wow. in the courtroom for his reception. Now, now, now to stop there. So these are two bands from Charlotte. Um, and, with Bo White. <laughs> with Bo White. Both of them with Bo White. And actually, Rob and Dorman that worked with us at Revenflow was in one of those bands. Clavio. And Clavio. Clavio. Yeah. Clavio was amazing. On many episodes of Old Town New World. He, yes. He, he was a regular star. I definitely remember that show. It was amazing. Yeah. So, um, I was working for the Arts Council at the time, and a um, little background there is like, the Arts Council has two buildings, and one of them is the, the Getty Center, and one is the Center for the Arts. And the Getty Center is where Gallery Up was hosted. And it has a courtroom, it's old courtroom post office, and you know, Gallery Up did that exhibit, that concert, uh, that big event, and then you know, at the time I, you know, I didn't start being in punk band till college, so like right after college, and um, I was like, well, if they can host a show there, I work for you guys, I should be able to host a show there. So I hosted a show there in 20. 2010, yeah. So tell us about that show. You remember that show? Which show? The, the first one, show? The first show that you hosted at the court. Yeah, I didn't sell beer. That well, was... All right, first mistake, right? <laughs> yeah, well, well, that was before before I established things. It was just like a one-off, right? And uh, it tell, was... tell us about your first day of elementary school. <laughs> and say the same thing. You I just didn't said. sell beer. I didn't sell beer. So, yeah, it was just a $3 show. And uh, my band Candy Jerk played. That was with so, Zach. Three dollars was the admit, admitting fee, or admission. that that was how you describe the quality of the show. No, it was the admission fee. Okay, gotcha. 
Uh, it was actually a really good show because so it had. Who played? It was Andy the Door Bum. Okay. From the, Charlotte. Yeah, and the Lesser Pauls from Charlotte, who had Ben Henry in it. If you you guys have ever listened to Ben Henry stuff, he's an amazing songwriter. I think he played drums in that band. Yeah, I've heard him. I did, and I remember the Lesser Pauls, but I didn't know he was in that band. He's he played, like an he, awesome songwriter. Yeah, but he played drums in that band, so he didn't sing. And I can't remember the name of the girl who sang in that band. So. My band opened up, the Lesser Pauls played, and then the infamous Andy the Doorbum closed out. And it was a fun show. I mean, it, it was the first time I'd used the space, and the Arts Council let me do it. Um, and it was, it kind of was like, okay, I can put on this house show kind of feel. Um, you know, and it, it, it's complete, I mean, complete thanks to the Arts Council for just letting me use this space and do what I do. So that's pretty cool that, that they do that. And you know, there's a chain of that. And I've talked about this over and over again on this podcast. When you're not here, Mike, I use my, you as a constant example of uh, what I call a champion. So when I talk about economic development, I talk about like there's champions out there that are doing it anyway. They're going to do it no matter what. So if you're looking at investing public sector dollars and kind of getting energy injected into an area, instead of like inventing something and going in and being seen as like counter the positive culture there, you, you invest in the, the people that are gonna freaking do it anyway. So, yeah. yeah, so like the fact that you get to use that spot, I guess, I guess they don't charge you to use the spot, is that how it is? No, I, I use you as a constant example when a cop asks me what my name is. Yeah, Mike Gentry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Mike Gentry. You can write him this ticket. I mean, this ticket. Sorry. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the Arts Council is very gracious with that space, allowing me to do that because I work for them, um, and I brought a lot of. That's one locked car. <laughs> So since I've started the courtroom, I've brought a lot of bands from a lot of places, a lot of people into the building. I mean, I think last year, which doesn't sound like a lot, I brought about 2,000 people through the building. Oh, that's awesome. For, yeah, for throughout the... So let me put that into context, man, because you say it doesn't sound like a lot, and it might not sound like a lot when you put it up on a board of numbers and you're, uh, and it's being... When you're comparing it to the Fillmore, who can fit 1,000 yeah, people in a right. night. And you're, and you're looking at it from, a, you know, like in... Uh, you know, how many dollars did it bring in an agritourism or, you know, whatever. And those, those numbers might seem small, but there's, a, there's a, a disproportionately large impact from young people coming into the downtown, hanging out, getting something to drink, having something to eat, being around, the energy that's down here, being at the show, the bands that come in. I, every time I'm at a courtroom show, the, the band that came from out of town is always like, Freaking Rock Hill, South Carolina, man! You know this is awesome, and that hearing that to me, it just makes me beam with pride because it's like, they're, what they're saying is, oh my God, how could something so amazing happen in a place that you don't expect it to happen? You know, so, oh yeah, we're doing good. David, you need something? So I mean, when what, what drives you to do these shows? I'm sure a lot of things, but is it? Do you feel like, do you feel a sense of that you're like making the community more vibrant and that you're participating in the bigger, or does that not even on your radar really? Well, first of all, for me, like the economic impact of what I do, I understand is important. It's definitely important for like the Arts Council and the downtown and the city and all that. I understand what's happening. Like the Arts Council 
when I book a band from California, it helps with their grants to know that like, okay, we had four people from California came in and you know, like that, that kind of tourism like is important. You know, they bought gas here, they bought food here, they did, you know, spend money here and they're not from Rock Hill, you know? And then I brought, you know, 60 people into our buildings and that's something that the Arts Council can count towards their grants, which helps fund them, you know? Um, and I understand that's really important and, um, but I mean, the, obviously, like one me, one guy. I don't, I don't really. I see the larger impact of the economic impact that's happening, but I'm not. Um, that's not my goal. Like, I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a positive side effect, you know. Um, but what is important to me? I'm, okay, let's start with this. You know, when I graduated college, a lot of people I knew would just move out a town immediately, which I understand, you know, there are bigger opportunities, better opportunities in other places. Um, but when I saw that, you know, I saw all the people saying, oh, well, Rock Hill, there's nothing going on here, there's nothing to do here, let's, uh, like, I gotta move out to be somebody, you know? I, I took the idea of like, well, I can build, build it, you know? If I go to New York, I might can maybe build it, but finding a space, um, making connections, I have to do all over again, you know. It, this is a small town with more and less opportunities. Uh, and like, there's less competition, but maybe less opportunities in the same way. Yeah, I, can, I appreciate that, man. I, you know, I've said this a lot on this podcast too, like, growing up in the punk rock scene fundamentally formed me, right? And so it was, it was the biggest influence outside of, you know, I don't know, whatever, my, my family or whatever, whatever it might be, but, and, and the reason it was so formative is because what I learned at a super, super early age is when I looked around, all the other kids at school were wishing they were part of this giant thing happening that you, you, that you apparently go off somewhere else, Nashville, Hollywood, whatever, and you're a one in a million shot of becoming, uh, becoming something. And yet, I got introduced to a small group of people that, you know, we probably, like, of course, we, in, in our teenage ways, we, we laughed and made fun of the other, which was inappropriate, but we're teenagers. But what we were doing is we were like, we're going to create something that's incredibly amazing, even if only 20 people are even involved in it. And it shaped me as a human being to think about life that way, that, like, you build what you want, and then you, ha and then you work on it and have it. And that's the struggle, and that's life, versus i got to go off and, um, and somebody, somebody else, somebody else is going to scoop me up or something. I mean, do you relate to that at all? Yeah. Also, another thing to take into account now is like the age of the internet. Like, I can. How, how old is the internet? I don't know how old the internet is, <laughs> but it's like now. Now that now there can be a band from California send me a message and be in 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 20 minutes I can have like a local band opening for them and. Which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And we were and, doing that by freaking mail. We were writing letters to yeah. each other. Right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. But so, but I can you also. You should have tried electronic mail. You know what? We never made it electronic. We never thought to make it electronic. That's where you messed up. I always make it an electronic mail. <laughs> so yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Incorrect, <This> Chris. <laughs> Again. Again. Incorrect. Can we loop Chris apologizing throughout this podcast? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the age of the internet now, there's like a band can send me an email 
and like, hey, we're on tour, we need a date, we need this date filled. And I'd be like, well, let me see if my local bands can do a date like that. Because I'm not going to invest my, I, I, I appreciate touring bands and I think, I, I want to bring something from away here, but I really want to support local bands more. I want, like, I'm sorry, I could, like, Pope Paul and the Legals were a great band and some people really loved them and some people would probably have jumped on that show jumped they're, to they're a touring band that you yeah, didn't bring okay. yeah well i did bring them but the, they're the ones that we met in california oh gosh really yeah, yeah they play with chasing the home records and okay when, so we i gotta interrupt okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so we were doing video videography work at our hospital out in southern california and we went one night we were just trying to experience southern california and we went to uh where did we go, Silent Mike? Blue Notes, somewhere in Long Beach. Somewhere in Long Beach, Blue Notes, Huntington something. Beach. Huntington Beach. Anyway, we found a little downtown Huntington Beach, whatever it was. We went in, and this band was just rocking. And uh, we started talking to them afterwards, traded information. And I, the next morning, remember, I, I group texted you and that dude. I didn't know it was a group text, but yeah, well, I know you texted me about yeah, it. Right. <laughs> oh, oops. Um. <laughs> yeah, they, they, and then they hit me up about a show. I couldn't do the first show, but then they hit me up again, and I did book them recently. That's awesome. But, I mean, I, I think it's awesome that I'm able to bring that here. But uh, on top of, like, bringing a band, I need to excite my local bands right. to do it. Because, like, those are who's going to bring people out. That's who's going to, like, that's who has friends here. I'm sorry. Like, Pope Paul and Legals is a great killer band. But if I just had them and a band from Charlotte and a band from Columbia and curated a bill, they're not gonna, no one's gonna come out. But Chase Warren and the Homewreckers brought people out, and then Quasar Hustle brought people out because Quasar Hustle was a new band that got formed recently, and they got a bunch of cool local people in it, and they all have friends. So that was a well attended show, and people were blown away with Pope Paul and the Illegals. But. They came to see their friends, and then they had a wonderful experience. Well, that's a good strategy, basically. I mean, I mean, my whole mission with what I do at the courtroom is to like foster local creativity, local bands, and like, I'm I'm not trying to bring the biggest band to town. I'm trying to make my bands push themselves to create a better show, be more creative, um, be completely engaging, and like. You know, why do it? Step up. Why? why do it, man? I mean, you're always like, God, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, and you're doing it over and over and over again. And and I'm so glad because the only place we ever play is when you put on a show. <laughs> but but why? Um, I don't know, man. It's been it's been eight years of hosting shows at the courtroom. I don't know. I I guess I guess the whole point is like, you know, there was the money before I opened, and now they've closed and become a burger shop. And Great like, burgers, by the way. And like, other than that, there was nowhere else to play music. You know, when I graduated college, I mean, I've always had an affinity for punk music. But when I started a band, I wanted to have a place to play. And now, like, I'm not a person just to do it for myself. You know, I don't just need a self a place for myself to play. But I wanna, I wanna create the venue I wanna go to. Yeah, right. And yeah. hang out. I feel like if you're not from Arkill, the money was a bar. Because you just said at first there was the money. <laughs> and I think if you don't... It was all this pile all of this money. money. <laughs> I was swimming in gold coin and I decided... Uh, <laughs> I decided I'd open up a DIY space. Yeah, right. With all this gold coin. I decided coin. to be poor. <laughs> I think she goes swim gold coin. <laughs> first came the money and then I melted it down and 
<laughs> built the stage out of gold. No, um, the golden stage at the core. So yeah, um, the yeah. So the, we had the money, and it was actually originally Daddy's money. Yeah, and then it, and my parents used to hang out there, and my parents were like seventy years old when it was Daddy's money. I mean, I played with Agent Orange at the money. I'm, that was one of the first places I ever played in this town. That used to be. It was an old bar. It was a good. I mean, it was a. I mean, it was a one place where local bands could play. Um, and I mean. They they face a lot more challenges than I did I do at the courtroom you know I don't have to be open every day yeah I don't have to like oh, I, know. Yeah. I I and but yeah so my whole mission with the courtroom is mostly to foster this like creative energy this music scene that isn't like that well luckily it's not uh, dependent on like how many people are gonna buy beer tonight and how many people are gonna do this tonight I mean yes I've done it for eight years and I have to think about like retirement <laughs> well I, I i have to think about like whether this show will be worth my time right like if i'm gonna do a show of a band a local band that's never played before and they want to bring me three other bands they want to play with and i i, I got to be questionable about it because well, i there's nothing wrong with that yeah i understand that but um but you feel guilty about being a little business turn, about oh turning yeah i feel guilty about turning people down yeah but see that's that's the dy spirit in you man like i you know I remember the first show I came to at the courtroom, it reminded me of the punk I grew up in because it was like, I got to the door and it was like $2 or $3 or something. And it was like eight bands playing. <laughs> I don't know what show that would have been. I don't know, I mean, I'm exaggerating. But I the mean, point I was, yeah. I was like, you know, this is, because I grew up like that and then and then I had, you know, had the years in Nashville where, I mean, we would go see a band for $25 and it would be a great show at the Orange Peel or something. And it would be a band that could, you know, have, play to a thousand-person venue that would play for 600 people, and it would knock your socks off. But you're paying $25 or $18 or whatever. Well, my venue has a lot more overhead than I have. Oh, I know, I know. So it was really cool. It was refreshing. And it's easy for me to say that because I'm not the one that has to make all the math work. But it was incredibly refreshing to just walk up and have some punk kid be like, "It's three bucks, man." You know, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole ethos, like, comes from. You know, house shows and the milestone. I mean, really, so really, the milestone in Charlotte is like the the kind of home that of punk, the home of punk that I want to recreate in Rock Hill. Yeah, yeah, that's the only. I always, I mean, I grew up going to the milestone. It was always, yeah, shows were five or seven dollars or something, and that was what. Yeah, the only thing equivalent to that would be at, at someone's house, you yeah, know, getting gas money. this. So one time back in the day, when oh, I was a kid. This story's not about Gigi Allen, is it? No, it's not. Okay, good. That's, that's the next story I'm gonna tell you. There's, there's no um, feces involved in this story whatsoever. Um, why tell it? I mean, why tell it? Yeah. Sorry. It's one of my eight feces, non-feces <laughs> stories that I have. Um, so, so when I was a kid, man, we went to uh, the Cat's Cradle in Chapel Hill. And um, because Drive Like Jehu, one of my all-time favorite bands was in town, and um, and that nobody heard of them yet. This was way, 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 way back. This is early, early, early '90s. Um, and they came to town, and we drove there, and all these people drove from Wilmington, people drove from Raleigh. It was all the same kids that we played shows with, because we had done an incredible job. And I say we, they. I was just along for the ride, but I mean, we networked so well with no internet, where we were playing shows in Wilmington, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, Columbia, Rocket, yeah, everything like 
all the time with no internet. It was incredible how we did it. I have no idea how we did it. But anyway, um, so we all meet for Dry Lake Jehu, and this whole crowd refused to go in because it's $7. I'm like, man, I remember telling Chris Murray, man, who I have all the respect for in the world. He put out all of my records when I was a kid. I was like, dude, you drove from Wilmington, and you're not going to pay $7 to go inside? And so uh, me and my buddy Scott Nurkin paid 7 bucks and went inside. There was like eight people in there, and we saw Drive Lake Jay, who's still to this day one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. For eight people? For eight people. Whoa. And there was like 20 people outside, like kind of cool guy protesting, yeah. that it was $7. And, and I don't mean to be judgy, because I, I do understand that like part of the magic and the beauty is is that whole thing but this is gets to my question man like it, it as you as you continue to work on it mike and as you you know you know, get a little older and you have your responsibilities and you have this and that you you like you've already mentioned you, you have to measure like where you put your time and this that and the other so do you ever feel like um this pressure that looks like oh do i destroy the ethos by actually making the math work or do i suffer the math and take on the uh, loss on my own so I can yeah. keep the ethos alive. Yeah, there's a balance. There's definitely a balance. But, like, I mean, m my ethos is to, like, keep it affordable. Like, yeah. I'm like I'm not looking to ever host a $30 show. Right. Like, Don't Sweat It Fest is $20, but it's three days with 19 bands. And that's what it was this year. Three days with 19 bands. That's what $20 and it was got the you. best freaking show I've seen in damn 10 years, man. I mean, yeah, that... I mean, Don't Sweat a Fest, the, the whole idea behind that is uh, local bands, ha at least half the bands are local, and then bands who've made a really good impression on the courtroom, like, who's played the courtroom before? She He He, uh, Two Slices, awesome. they were awesome. Naked Naps, Didn't see them. Um, Boo Hag, uh, and then there are a couple personal picks of bands that I think, like, Deserve the platform or deserve. Who was that two piece with the with the guy with the Krippstrahn mullet and the girl that played guitar and didn't sing? It was just a two piece. And oh yeah, that was Naked Naps. Oh, they were awesome. Oh, I've got this funny. I, I said I didn't know they were. They were like one of my favorite bands. So anyway, we're talking about Naked Naps. We're talking about. We're talking about so yeah, it. so Don't Sweat a Fest is about bringing you know it's local bands, of uh, like bands who really kicked ass at the courtroom, uh, like put on a good show. Cause so it's like. Shows that people are like, yeah, I love that band. I'd like to see them again, you know. And then, it, then, then, then you kind of like put all of them in this festival. And then I have a few picks on my own that I like. Okay, these bands should be like, this is a good place for them to play. Like my friends, Reverend. Um, I've listened to them for oh, a while. Were they the um, speed metal band that closed Friday night? No, they played right after you. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean that's the only band I missed of the whole. Yeah, Dang. Reverend's Wicked, man. They're they were from Detroit. Yeah. Okay. And then Funeral Chic was the one that played. And Funeral Chic hasn't played here in a long time. Dude, they were awesome, man. They're oh, yeah, crap. wild. It's yeah. funny. I work with Dustin. I gotta pick him up at Who's eight o'clock. He's a singer. Okay. Yeah. He's from Rock Hill. He's... Oh really? Yeah. I gotta pick him up for work tomorrow. So. That's <laughs> okay. So let's back up a little bit. Let's let's tell our um, the two, the two people, both the people listening about um, Don't Sweat It Fest. What is Don't Sweat It Fest? How to get started? How many years you've been doing it? Give us the lowdown. Uh, this was year seven of Don't Sweat It Fest. Um, it started uh, in 2011. It started in 2011 when uh, I had about three bands hit me up to do a show on a Sunday, Father's Day in 2011. 
and then, like who wants to host a show on Father's Day? So I ended up, uh, I ended up saying, well, if it's Father's Day, it's like this thing. Maybe I'll just make it a fest. And when we first started, it was like very bike oriented too. We had a bicycle scavenger hunt. We had a critical mass ride. So the day started off with a bicycle scavenger hunt. You got extra points if you brought your dad. And then, uh, then we had four bands play outside, or four or five bands play outside. And one of those bands was Waxahachie. And, and swearing. Waxahachie is uh, Katie Crutchfield and her twin sister's band Swearing played. And, you know, they're, you know, Waxahachie was on NPR that, that was, year. That was like, yeah, that was like literally like the week that Waxahachie was blowing up. Like, hey, I'm sorry, guys. I got to introduce Brendan on, on mic here. Brendan owns uh, Millstone and Rock Hill Brewery, and we're always uh, podcasting. And McHale's. His, and McHale's. So, <laughs> say hello, Brendan. Hey, guys. What's happening out there in podcast land? Hey. Thanks for letting us uh, crash your, your place all the time. We Absolutely. It. We need to get a podcast going in the brewery every Yeah, day. I like it. I like Definitely. it. All right. Good Some to see fun. you, man. That was a teaser for yeah. it. Yeah, right. There, yeah. <laughs> and starting next week. <laughs> please continue. So yeah, that was that was the week that like Waxahachie was on NPR and her album was like rated really high on the the charts and like she was still just like playing solo and acoustic and since then she's like been all over playing shows. And I mean that was that was like a really wonderful thing. But the first year was this like 10 bands, 5 in the afternoon, 5 in the evening. Bicycle scavenger hunt, bicycle ride, I think, a, like a critical mass ride in the middle between the shows. And then I think there might have, I don't know if it was the first year or the second year that like at my house, my roommates hosted like a grindcore house show for like 30 minutes in the middle while we <laughs> while we moved stuff around. Like eight bands played for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, yeah, the first two was free. I was just hoping to make enough money off a of beer to pay for the bands, and all the local bands kind of donated their time. But since then, I've applied for grants. You know, we, we do the zine that, you know, thanks to Revenflow for, you know, buying ads and supporting that. Um, and, like, I pay all the local bands a set amount, and honestly, like, I, I pay them comparable to what I pay the touring bands. Okay. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, in this year, Lee Baines and Glory Fires, you know, I was able to book them, and they made it work on their tour. Like, I had to keep messaging. I was like, hey, you guys going to do this date? And they were like, we're just trying to work it out. We're trying to work it out. Yeah. And, you know. And Boy, then, they rocked the roof off of that place, yeah. man. Holy crap. They're, they're, they're good. They're good guys. I'm, I'm very you happy. You know, it's funny. Them. I went up and talked to Lee Baines afterwards, and he was, like, the sweetest man, sweetest young man I've ever met. He's a, I mean, and he was like social justice warrior punk rock king when he was on stage. Yeah. Yeah. He was offering help in the, like, in the move from the outside to the inside this year. Um, he, was help, he was like, oh, do you need any help? I'm like, I don't know what to tell you to do right now. Yeah, Just right. enjoy Just your time. Like, yeah. but, uh, yeah, so Don't Toilet Fest is like, it's a lot about my local bands and it's also about what, like, people in this town enjoyed already. Right. Like, Okay. And there are, like, to be honest, there are a few picks that I bring in, like Reverend and uh, Leanna Eden, who blew it away. Oh, yeah, they were really good, man. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Lee Baines. Yeah. Those were, like, the three picks that had never played the courtroom before, so. Neck and Naps is, is, is one of my top three of the whole of the whole weekend. Yeah, and they're sweet, too. They've yeah. always, they're always, every time they come and play, like, they, they play in Winston-Salem, and they, they were like, yeah, if you ever want to come and play a gig in, in our in our town, I'll help you out. Actually, Winston-Salem or Raleigh, I can't remember. It, 
It's all in the triangle. So you're also in a couple bands, right? So what, what bands do you play in? Well, Motel Glory, which is like the oldest punk rock band in Rock Hill. <laughs> Both in its yeah. uh, age and in the members' age. Now, Chris, you were in the original Motel right. Glory. Yeah, I was. The established way back in 2010 or something. Yeah. Yeah. 2009. <laughs> but still probably one of the oldest the remaining. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I played it was an I played this was an old medieval instrument that doesn't have a name. <laughs> I played a hollowed out log. <laughs> so so it was when it started, who, who was in the band Chris when it started? It was me and Greg Ellis and Stan Gibson and Tavis Kreps. Okay. And so then you left to pursue moving. Yeah, and also because, you know, just I was furious at everyone all the time. There was a lot of drugs being thrown around. I'm just kidding. I threw a lot of cocaine in people's faces. Incorrect, Chris. Yeah. yeah, no, it was very it was very peaceful. I just was, like, getting busy making movies and was like, I, I can't practice enough. That's yeah. all. All right, so then Slade Baird came in. Yeah, from Amigo. From Amigo, which is a great band. Yeah. They're having a lot of success. They're on tour right now. Uh, yeah. Are they still on tour? I don't not. think they're still on tour. I think okay. I think they're off tour now. Like I think they're tired. They were exhausted. <laughs> Slade was like, like he was going to want to just give up, man. They I went to him. they went to Texas after Don't Sweat. Oh us, my so, gosh! Yeah. Wow. So then, um, Tavis quit playing bass and Mike started playing bass. Yeah. And then I I took over for Tavis and then. Uh, and then, then Josiah took over for Slade. Yeah, because Slade Slade focused on Amigo, so Josiah is in there now. So you still got a great group of musicians, but I guess the band really does mostly revolve around Greg Ellis and his songwriting and his songs, and that's kind of where the, the center of the band is, right? Oh, definitely. He's yeah. he's the lead songwriter and, and singer and lyric writer of the band, you know? Um, it revolves around his mystique, it, his, his musk. Yeah, <laughs> summertime Greg, you know? Now, Greg has been in bands forever. I mean, way back, we actually own this, I don't know if it'll make it in the cut, in the edit here, but uh, a guy that was in a band with him when we were kids um, just walked by a minute ago. He was in uh, Salvo Rain, and quote then what unquote. other band? Quote, unquote. Uh, Cannons with me, uh, when I got, when I moved back to this area. Canyon Arrows. Oh, Canyon Arrows. He was in Canyon Arrows? Yeah, yeah, Greg was the second guitar player in Canyon Arrows. Yeah, after, yeah, after Jeremy Wright, yeah. We're, this podcast is just us listing a bunch of names know, that yeah. people who yeah. are listening have no idea. Well, who well, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, right. So anyways, in 1992, John, I went, uh, went, me and my Uncle Mike, we found us a Series 10 guitar. But, but it's also important because, like, there is a legacy of music in Rock Hill, even though there hasn't been, like, a consistent, welcoming, nice, like music venue for them to take over, you know? So, you are filling a definite gap or need, I think, don't you think? Yeah, but we're, it's a really interesting thing to have the courtroom because it's the chicken or the egg. Do you have a music venue and then a music scene, or do you have a music scene and then need a music venue? Wait, you lost me at chicken and egg, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't hear that eye roll on the, on the recording. <laughs> So yeah, it's a, it, it was like this uh, chicken or the egg thing. Do you have a music scene and then need a music venue, or do you have a music venue and then like that cultivates the music scene? And right now we kind of have this part-time music venue where I host two to three shows a month. Uh, you know, thanks to the Arts Council and even the city's helped me out in a lot of cases. But you've been doing it. You have house shows too, right? I have had house shows. I actually just had one for Fourth of July, but that. That's the only house show I've hosted in the new house. Okay. And I mean, it was different too. I mean, a local guy came to me 
and said, oh, I want to do this show where I play this local band Gardner's Plays, and then I have this band from Texas on tour, and they were like jazz. It was like jazz, a, a marimba, marimba. <laughs> a marimba that took up three, like a third of my dining room, and then a local band that decided to try to play acoustic. Nathan is his marimba. Yeah, most people like, you know, buy a home or a car. Nathan bought a marimba. <laughs> I think that's awesome. So, um, yeah, that, like, so this courtroom is in the middle between like having a permanent venue that's got to do it for the business and like pay people and stay alive and then you know it and rather than having like a you know when the money opened you know well the money's been open forever but you know they had to pay bills they had to they had to be open six days a week they had to have to pay their employees I hear you. and like I, and the this, dream kind of goes out the window sometimes so my question to you on that is and you know i've talked about this a lot but um like is it, I mean, I, I'm sure I probably, you probably waver on this and kind of where you're headed, but like, is it a good thing to say, oh, well, we need a space, we need a permanent space, we need to be able to have shows whenever we want, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves with our primary objective is to sell Bud Light, and our tertiary objective is to have shows when we can. Yeah, um, yeah, that's an interesting balance, because I'm not naive enough to think that, like, if I opened up a, ven a venue next week, that I'd be able to book all the bands that play the courtroom, local bands that play the courtroom regularly and be and survive. Right. I wouldn't be able to because, I'm sorry, like I have a lot of friends in this town, but I know they don't want to come to the same place three nights a week to support it. No, nobody like, does. That, and yeah, nobody does, nobody can. Yeah. So there will be, if you ever open up a venue, there would be compromises. Yes. Because, you know, there are plenty of cover bands that can pack a house. There's karaoke that can pack a house. There's Phil's Trivia that used to pack McHale's on Sunday nights. Right. I mean, like, there's there's other programming you can do. Uh, to that, does that interest you? Or do you not as much. moving away from the dream if you're doing that? Like, I wonder, like, is the courtroom the perfect situation because you don't have to deal with any of that and you can just bring in a great man and have a great show and then just go home? Uh, almost, but it's not it's not public enough. Like, the courtroom is public, you know, if somebody hears about the event and shows up, like, we're not going to say no, it's not a private club, it's not, it's not a house show where you don't want, like, any random person just walking up and coming in your house, but it's also not a seven-day-a-week venue right. where, like, oh, well, I can go online and just check the calendar. I mean, you can do that at the courtroom, but it's, you're going to see three dates a month or right. two dates yeah. a month, and, it, you know, they might not always fit your schedule, you know, like, if you want to experience live music. Um... I think it's, I don't know, I think it's important as a person who runs a venue, like what I'm doing in the courtroom, to foster a relationship with your artists. Right. Like, gasp, later this later in August, I said, you know, do you guys want to play a show? And they said, yeah. Well, I was like, what date works for you? And they worked out a date. I have no idea what they're going to do. But it's their night. See, that's great, man. I know you were that gracious to us when I texted you and was like, Mike, do you mind if we if we would play a show at the courtroom where we headlined? And you were like, yeah, man, you know, I can help you work that out. And you were just wonderful about the whole thing. It's not like we could text any other venue anywhere and have that type of... It's almost like a... 
it's almost like a personal service quality about it. You know, whether you want that relationship with every band or not, I don't know. But it wasn't like, uh, we're a machine and you just need to fit into here and I'm really not interested in you, man. It was a, hey, I really like your band and let's try to work this out and what date's good for you. You know, was, you know what I mean? Big yeah, difference. I mean, it, I mean, you guys had already played a couple shows in the courtroom before that. Yeah. And that's, that's a little bit important. Because, um, like... If a high school band hit me up and wanted to play a show, I'd be all about booking them. Now, if they hit me up and said, oh, we want to play a show and we want to book these three bands with us that we, you have no, I, have, I have no idea. I'm like, I don't know what kind of crowd I'm going to get. I don't know. Like, because I'm not open every night, you know, I'm not willing to take a risk on a night to do that. Yeah. But... I, that's okay. I mean, they just they got to come in and open for a band, and that's just part of the process. Yeah. What if the band was actual children? Actual children? Mm-hmm. Like real life. Digital children. Like real life children had a band. Would you not book them? Because you hate little children. Discriminating against little children. Incorrect, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I would book children at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He said it, folks. He said it, folks. Tell, tell your kids. <laughs> Call Mike Gentry. 888 8888. All right. So um, we'll just end on Chris. <laughs> So, so Mike, what's next, man? What's the next chapter of Mike Gentry? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean... Oh, that's bleak. (laughs) (laughs) You only listed one band, too. You only listed one... Oh, that you're playing. All right, let's keep going around the horn. You're playing, Um, like, 19 bands. Have fun editing this and, like, putting it back in the order you want it to be. Yeah. Um, oh, well, have fun. It'll be all Chris. So, (laughs) I'm... Chris, Chris, Chris. I'm in a... One okay, we can't okay, uh, we can't talk about this without me talking about Band from a Hat. Oh, but so, pause. What other bands are you in? We'll come back to Band from the, a Hat. Okay. Don't let us forget, Silent Micah. Simon. Simon. Yeah, come on, Silent. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> Simon and Crisfield. <laughs> um, what other bands are you in? Okay, so I play in a a, a Zydeco. Zydeco. Naked band. Besides that, please. Uh, I play in a theatrical golf band called Mall Goth. Uh, <laughs> theatrical golf band? Goth band. Oh, no, goth band. Golf would be... <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's a character named Stepdad in it who has well, a sailboat, so he might play golf. So please define theatrical goth. So, well, Mall Goth started as like a, as like a goth band. I wrote a few songs. I got a singer in here. Actually, he's over there somewhere yeah. with his Harvard shirt on. <laughs> um, <and> so goth. <laughs> so goth. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I wrote this, I uh, got, got put in a band from Band From A Hat. Uh, I broke my arm. A couple other people kind of dropped out. Then I, me and the singer got together with the drummer and wrote uh, like three or four goth songs. And he wrote most of the lyrics to them. And, they were really punk songs, and then we got a few new members in the band: Josiah, who we all have already mentioned, um, Nathan Matthews, who we've already mentioned, and then so we were four-piece and playing goth songs, and it was it was fun, and then we were trying to step it up for Don't Sweat It Fest, and we had a song called Asshole Stepdad. It's not a song like a 29-year-old guy should probably be writing, but uh, I wrote the music, not the lyrics, so give me that. Uh, but that was the irony of the band, was that you guys were writing like teenage style, like, uh, the, not the lyrics like or anything. What, like having 10,000 spoons when all that you really need. Right, yeah. So, exactly. 
<laughs> I love that Black Sabbath starts playing. <laughs> Every time we mention Atlantis Morset. Yeah. Atlanta Morset. Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta. The lost city of Atlantis Morset. <laughs> <laughs> so Mogoth like but came up like a full on like theater production. I mean, when yeah. I saw you guys, it was a whole people were dressed up and it was a story and Well so like I said. Like I said, we wanted to step it up for Don't Sweat It Fest, and we had a song called Asshole Stepdad, and then we were like, oh, we have our buddy Sean that kind of looks like he could be a stepdad. Let's have him come in and play, like, the character, and then we'll, like, have a few skits with him in, in the middle of our set, and people really enjoy that for Don't Sweat It Fest. And then that became, like, a whole storyline where we, like, plugged our songs into this storyline. Like, we had a song called Ouija Board, and... Like, stepdad steals away the Ouija board, and, and he's like, you know, it has, of course, the villain always has the best lines. Then, oh, God, I can't, wish I could remember his lines. It was, give me that Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> give me that Ouija board. No, it was. Classic, <laughs> classic line, dude. I, I remember it was, I don't never get no Ouija board. <laughs> uh, I wish I could remember the line. It was. Ooh, no, he called it ooh, an Uwaija board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Yeah, so. How do you actually pronounce it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, y'all did like a. Uh, what do you call it? Like a. So, we did a theatrical yeah. set. Like, a, going, there was a script written, and um, we. You, actually, before we played it at Don't Sweat It Fest, we got a gig in Charleston. And we got asked to play, we got, we got asked to, at the beginning of the show, it was like, do you guys want to open for this? Do you guys want to close? And we're like, I don't know, man. I think we should, not, not, not to like have our egos for us, but I think we should close it. Like, and there's a wonderful band, Southern Hemisphere opened. Then, oh. Uh, what was the name? Southern Hemisphere. Gotcha. Another Brett Nash band. And then, uh, Greatest Century of Science. I think I'm, I don't think I'm, 100% correct on that name. They played and they were a wild, like. It was either The Greatest Century of Science or Creationism. I can't remember <laughs> the name of the band. But, uh. So, and then we closed out and, like, we, you know, the, the set was like, you know, a lot of our friends lived in Charleston at the time and the set was so enjoyable and funny that the uh, bartender had to stop serving because she couldn't stop laughing at some oh, of the sets, wow. some of the lines in it. So, yeah, so, of course. We were like, we got to do this, and that's what it's become. I and mean, we have like eight scripts we've written. We've recorded an album, released an LP. Yeah, but didn't y'all do a whole um, like, what's it called? Residency. residency that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So like, oh yeah, Snug Harbor and Charlotte gave yeah. us a residency, and that was like probably the most productive I've ever been in a band before. Because wow. we were working to write a new script for all the four weeks because we had to play every Wednesday night, and we had to write a, we wrote a new script for every night. In the first three nights, we had all original, like all original music never repeated a song between the first three sets and the fourth set we just could not keep writing music so we recycled some songs and had one new song on the last night you should have just covered a bunch of jimmy buffett songs that actually would have been totally hilarious okay you say that but three <laughs> members of Molgoth were in a band called birth control and they did a jimmy buffett cover set oh, as okay. this like wow. as yeah, this okay. like sloppy ass like <laughs> crust not crust but like just like noisy punk band they covered jimmy buffett and it, I, i'm sad i missed it but it was from what I heard, it was pretty epic for Halloween one year. So, yeah. So we couldn't do Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Wrong, Chris. Wrong. Incorrect, Chris. <laughs> so the, the next, uh, so that's what Mall Goth is. We just had a crazy album release in May. 
and that was it was great and we're continuing we're gonna write new songs and like keep this latest set we have that's wonderful but um that was one band yeah, right. <laughs> yeah we covered Motel Glory Mogoth that, that like then the trend of initials ends there Mike Gentry, Mulgoth, Oh, weird. Yeah, I'm surprised you guys MG. don't know that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm, and, I, and he drives an MG. Yeah. I don't drive an MG. <laughs> well, I drive a Kia Soul for everyone listening. Anyway, what's your other <laughs> <laughs> And then the last band that I'm in is actually with Silent Micah here called Tough Ghost. TG. 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 Yeah. The gentry. We just couldn't think the of a gentry. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just couldn't think of a good name to to, 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 to go from M Ghost. I don't know. Whatever. So Tough Ghost is a band that I saw the other night at Don't Sweat It Fest, which was rocking, and you just sing, right? Yeah, it's the first time I've tried to do vocals in a band, so. You did a good job. And Micah plays so? um, computers and buttons and stuff. There's actually a recording of the performance playing right now. Oh, yeah. yeah it sounds like Bob Seger, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. it's, it was at night when they had these moves that they had. They were great moves, and it was it was late. But um, so cool. Micah plays buttons and machines, and um, Sean plays bass. Sean plays bass that sounds like three octaves of guitar at the same time somehow. He's become a wizard on that bass. He's got like. Some pedals and stuff. Uh, no offense to Silent Micah, but I think Sean's the only one in the band that really knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Josiah plays drums. Yeah, it's the first band, as far as I know, that he's played drums in. So yeah. um, we're all trying really new do. things. And yeah. see, and I mean, even if it wasn't, I feel weird that it's my band, but like, if, you know, Greg wanted to start a new band with a couple other new people and like, make it happen, write five songs, and play a show. Actually, Tough Coast only wrote four songs for our first show. So if they want to write four songs, Greg, if you only want to write four songs, that's okay. Um, and play a show, like, I would completely, I, I, I would be very excited about people collaborating See, and starting new that things. opportunity is fantastic. I mean, I, you know, I, I really liked Tough Coast, but um, as much as I liked it, really just genuinely liked the music, it, it was that that appealed to me, this just notion that, um, hey, let's all just kind of play an instrument <laughs> and, like, write some stuff and, like, create something cool. And, you know, something that you would do as a kid in your living room, that we are adults and, and we're creating it and presenting it to people. I think it's fantastic. And, and people are all ages, and it's just really great. Well, it, you know, this one thing that kind of excites me about, like, the music scene is, like, getting people together that have never played in bands before and kind of forcing them to play in bands. So that leads us to Band in a Hat. Yeah, so Mulgoth started from Band from a Hat. There's a couple other local bands that are still around, like the wonderful Gasp that Josiah sings that in. That came from Band that from a Hat? That came from Band from a Hat. I mean, they've replaced, they've, they, you know, their drummer moved to New York and they got Nathan, which we've already mentioned on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, there's a lot Mr. of... Mr. Marumba. There's a lot of people who play a lot of different, in a lot of different bands together in Rock Hill, and I think that's really important because it builds community. Yes. Hootie uh, and the Blowfish is from Band and a Hat. Band from a Hat. Yeah. Okay. If you want to say so, I don't claim it. But uh, so Band from a Hat is this other project, which I think is uh, crucial to the ethos and the idea of what the courtroom is. Uh, so does, does the band actually have to be in a hat? They have to all wear hats when they play. Okay, explain. Explain how this works. Okay. So from Band from a Hat, um, we have a show and. 
all these people just throw their name, they either post it on Facebook and what, their name and what instrument they play. And then at the night of the show, I, you know, I print all that stuff out, put them on little sheets of paper, put them in a hat. Typically pull the drummers out so that the drummers, like each band has some, some sort of drummer, maybe a drum machine or whatever. Um, I guess because I don't want a drum circle. I don't know. Right. But, you know, like... Weird. All the drummers ended up in the same band. Yeah. <laughs> so... Ghost is all bassists. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but not everyone's... Okay, not everyone's playing bass. Okay. So, um... That's So we put... usually pull the drummers out and have them in their own bands, and then we add people to that. And then you get thrown in a band with all these other people. You see the name on the... Like, on there, and then you meet these new people. Maybe they're friends that you've known, and then you didn't... Like they want to sing and you want to play guitar for a band and then you, we give them two months to write music, 10 to 15 minutes of music and then we have a show with all these bands that never played a show before. That's awesome. That's yeah. So awesome. And some great bands have come out of it, man. Like yeah, Gasp, Molgoth, Quasar Hustles, the newest one, Chasing the Homewreckers. David was in a band from the Hat Band. Yes, uh, I was in uh, the, the origin of Pink Moscato which uh, you know started out with accordion and a lot of synth stuff and they, they evolved into something else which was cool. Uh, and, and David's in all kinds of, oh David joined us by the way. <laughs> David's in all kinds of Silent musical, David. Silent Dave, Talky David um, is in all kinds of musical endeavor. I mean everything from gosh, acapella music to kind of new metal stuff. Tell us about your band. Uh, so I'm in a band called Ozai. It's a progressive metal band which uh, it's kind of like uh, I'd, I'd say one of the biggest inspirations is Dream Theater. That's usually like that. That's the what people I can relate to with people. And then if they don't get that, then I go to Rush, and it's like it's like Rush but with more metal. And then you mean like 30 you years apply later. to be in a fraternity? Uh, they're they're actually uh, part of the the requirement of being in the band is that you can never have been in a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's cool. And then the acapella piece. Oh yes. Uh, I'm also in uh, the. Um, Impromptu with uh, Carolina Voices, which is uh, an acapella group. There's about uh, 12 people or so, um, and we perform. We have a Halloween show and then a spring show. Um, so that. That's awesome. And Drake, my son, who's here on the podcast as well, is in the band at school, and uh, he and I have a band called Bingo Bangs, uh, which we're gonna hopefully, um, when Old Fighter plays next, um, he's gonna jump on Stan's rig. And he and I are gonna play a song or two before we start. That's awesome. So, yeah. I'm That's excited. awesome. Yeah. So, um, so Mike, I mean, it 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 would seem to me. Um, this is a personal question. Okay. Um. You know, outwardly, it seems like um, that you are very very successful. I don't mean that as far as um, money and big houses and cars. What I mean that. Is something that's dear to me, and it's. Um, you have a lot of muscles. You you have your muscles are really successful. <laughs> um, no, what it means to me is that um, I work very hard to try to um, create a life that I enjoy every day and am proud of, while figuring out how to pay the bills along the way. I'm sure you struggle. I know I do, but it seems that you are um, successful in creating something extremely positive and, and that, you, that you would be proud of. So my question is, are you, have you gotten in the headspace to be thankful and 
daily and proud of what you're doing? Or are you in a, more in a space where you're struggling and trying to make it happen and worried about where you're taking it next? Where are you personally? Um, well, uh, what is it? What is it that somebody in theater said to me one time? Is like you're only as good. <laughs> no, you're only as good as your next gig. Um, and I mean, I don't 100% believe that, but that you know, I can't look at my accomplishments every day and be like, oh yeah, I'm. I'm the man. Because then there's no improvement. But I mean, my when I'm most thankful and like I cherish what I'm doing is like when I see Chasing the Homewreckers. It started off as a Band from a hat band, Chase Warren desperately for years wanted to start a rockabilly band. He gets thrown in a band, luckily, with a few of his friends and make it happen. And then a couple years later, they're on stage playing as a seven piece with, a, with, a, with you know, two guitars, a singer, a bassist, a drummer, a saxophone, and a trombone. That, that's when I revel in the, like, the, the success and I'm thankful for what I've made, I guess. Uh, a community. Yeah, but not just a community, but a platform for people to be able to, for local people to be able to do something. You know, like without the milestone and places that like let people get their start, you're not going to have like those, you know, you're not going to have the Aerosmiths, the Black Sabbaths. Right. You're not going to have the people on that level if they're ever never given the opportunity on this level. Right. Well, that's uh, great, man. Yeah. Well, Crystal Gale. You mean Crystal Method? <laughs> yeah. I wonder how Crystal Gale went to the bathroom. You know, her hair is so long that it would be a problem every time. So I'm going to end the podcast with that question and let everybody take that home and think about it. <laughs> so, Mike. <laughs> Have fun editing this, Chris. <laughs> Incorrect, Chris. So now that Chris made that bathroom comment about Crystal Gale and he tried to imitate me with his voice, I'm going to move on. So, uh, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks again. I think what you're doing is fantastic. We're very proud of you and proud to be a part of what you're doing. And uh, Chris, uh, if you want to drop some kind of magic before we leave. <laughs> Make sure I tuck my hair out of the way first. <laughs> <laughs> and Silent Micah, if you'd like to uh, make say something to Chris to reprimand him for his bad behavior. Oh, yeah. I just had this one thing I wanted to say earlier that um, it's actually banned from a hat because you are not allowed in the hat. So that, to clear that up, yeah. It's, it's not banned a in a hat. A-N-N-E-D. Oh, you're banned from the hat. Yeah. That was not Silent Micah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, well, I'm glad we cleared that up. So anyway, I guess we'll see you uh, next week on Old Town New World.